the rookie phenoms. We have an amazing show for you today. I'm your host, Coop, with my main man, Webb. What up, people? We have so much to get into today. We have a gigantic guest for you, Anthony Kay from the Sports Fluent Podcast with Coach Hugh Jackson. He's coming on. We talk a lot of basketball, some NFL stuff. Look forward to that because it is an amazing interview. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard their podcast, but they not only talk about some great topics, but they have some great guests on as well. And they're also from Toronto. Well, Anthony Kay is at least. So we get to with him. We talk about the NBA buyouts, uh, the trade deadline and a little NFL draft. But before we get to that, we are going to break down the gigantic trades in the NFL that happened this weekend. Let's start with the big one. San Fran moved from number 12 to number three. They with Miami. So San Fran gave up the number 12 pick. Their two next first round picks after that. And so in 2022 and 2023 and a third round pick. In next year's draft, Webb, do you like this move for San Fran? Actually, sorry, before you answer that, so Miami moved down to 12, and then they traded back up from 12 with Philadelphia to six. To do that, Miami gave their first round pick next year to get back up to six. So three teams made three gigantic trades in like a 20 minute period. Webb, which teams moved did you like the best? That's an interesting question. Um, I think I liked. Miami and Phillies the best. Can I choose two? Can I can I have a tie here? Web the couch sitter, like always. <laughs> be a man, make a pick. The p- obvious choice or the popular choice is going to be Miami, but I secretly liked Phillies. No, sorry. I was going to say they, they gained a, a first-round pick, Philly, and uh, only moved down six spots. And... I mean, we'll see if they stick with Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback. Um, but I like it. But Miami got a, a, a boatload of picks over the next couple of seasons. So I like it for Miami the best. But I also like it for Philly because Philly has a lot of picks next year as well. They have a likely first-round pick from the Colts. Now they have the Miami pick. If Tua is trash next year, that could be a, that could be a really good pick. Like a top-10 pick, that's possible. But I like it for Miami best because they didn't they're gonna get the same player at six, but they wanted at three. They were never in the quarterback market. They want to give two of the year. So if their main guy is Chase from LSU, the receiver, or Penne from Oregon, the tackle, one of them will be available at six. If they want Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida. So the guy they wanted at three, they're gonna get at six, and they added two first round picks. I love the move. Yeah, it's huge. Miami did no wrong in this. And like you said, like they moved down a few spots and um, can still get that same guy and just sweeten their pot or sweeten their their draft stock. It makes so much sense. I, I agree with you, though. Philly did a great job. I-, I think what it says about Philly, though, is that they are invested in Trevor Lawrence. They are not taking a quarterback this year, which I found to be really interesting. You mean Jalen Hurts? Isn't that what I said? Oh, you said Trevor Lawrence. Jesus Christ. You just have Trevor Lawrence on the brain, Coop. I, I watched a lot of tape in the last few days. <laughs> I did all five of the top first-round quarterbacks this week. I'm going to give you guys my rankings very soon. But Jalen Hurts, sorry. It means they're invested in Jalen Hurts. They are going to have him as the quarterback this year. And if they don't like him, next year they have the ammunition to move up and get their quarterback, which I think is really interesting for them. Yeah, and as we'll talk later um, on the show... I'm someone who is really trying to step away from this uh, tradition of taking quarterbacks early when you don't really have to. And I'll get into it a little bit later. So I like the fact that they'll give Jalen Hurts a trial run this year. And if it doesn't work out, they have that that insurance um, to, to go in another direction in 2022. And for San Fran, I don't hate the idea either. Because apparently there's been talks in that locker room and the general manager's office, where they blame Jimmy G for not winning that Super Bowl. I think that game was won, and he lost it. So if they're not, if they're out on Jimmy G, moving up to get their guy always makes sense to me. If you don't have the guy, go get the guy. I agree with that 100%. You could be wrong, but do what you're going to do. Be bold. I always respect bold moves. Yeah, 100%. And no listeners, I was not the one that told San Francisco that Jimmy G was the reason why they lost that Super Bowl, but I definitely share that sentiment. <laughs> Never been a fan of Jimmy G, 
we'll actually talk about that a little bit later. I think Jimmy G is a decent NFL quarterback. I think injuries have derailed him. But if you think you can do better, go and do better. If you think he cost you a Super Bowl, move on. I agree with that 100%. That just makes sense to me. Okay. I'm going to give the listeners my top five quarterbacks now. I have watched at least four full games from each guy now, except for Trey Lance, because those games are really hard to find. He only played one game last year at North Dakota State. But I watched some of his games from 2019 where they went undefeated. I have some thoughts. Do you want number five to one or one to five? What are you more interested in? No one wants to hear about Trevor Lawrence at number one. Let's go number five. Number five, Trey Lance, North Dakota State. I like his game. He is a very interesting prospect. He may have the most, not the highest upside, but he is gigantic upside. He is built like a tank. He is the best runner of all these quarterbacks. He can run like an NFL running back. He's that talented. He has a huge arm. My issue with Trey is that he played at North Dakota State. He didn't play anybody. Carson Wentz also went to North Dakota State. I dislike him very much. So maybe I'm biased here, but I am worried about the competition jump. If he'll be ready to play in year one, I think he might need a year. Also, he only played one game last year. I have some concerns there, but the upside is gigantic. So my question to you is this, Coop. Um, Do you think Trey Lance goes in the first round? Oh, I think all these guys go in the first round. I think all these guys are gone in the top 10 picks. Do you think they should all go in the top 10? Uh, so there's I, – I I think Trey Lance – I think two of these guys could fail. I'm just not sure which one's which. Trey Lance has tools that mean he should be a top 10 quarterback. The tools are there for him to succeed. It depends on where he goes if he does succeed or not. But the tools are all there. And this is my sort of struggle with this thing, right? If you can get – someone elite that fits a need even though you need a franchise quarterback why force it if you if you need a if you need a franchise quarterback but you're not completely sold on Trey Lance and you're he's there available to you let's say you also need um an edge defender or you also need some pass protection why would you try and force getting Trey Lance? The upside is there, like you said, when you can get a surefire uh, fit at, a, at, a, at another position that will help your team, for sure. So I agree with you sometimes, but I think with Trey Lance, because the upside is so high, it makes sense. But you can't win a Super Bowl if you don't have the guy. Like, who have won the last Super Bowls? Russell Wilson won one, elite. Mahomes won, elite. Tom Brady, elite-ish. Like, there's a lot of guys that are... That's me trolling. You need an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl. If you don't have that guy, you have no chance. You have Your fans have no hope. Getting a quarterback gives fans hope, which is also a good thing. I get what you're saying, but what are the odds that this guy is going to turn around your franchise in one or two years that you have to take him now? And he's going to get you to a Super Bowl really soon. Why not wait another year when there's a quarterback that you really, really want? And you know, if you know your team's going to be bad and you're going to be in a position to get them, why not wait and fill another position right now? That's my thinking. Well, it puts you a year behind. Because if you start it now, you get the guy in the building for a year. If you wait the next year, you might have all been fired. Everyone might be fired if you go bad with... If you take the corner of Caleb Barely this year at 10 instead of uh, Trey Lance, everyone may lose their job because they have no hope. It was like, we need new guys in here. So also for teams, it resets the clock. You tell the owner, hey, we just got this guy. We need three more years now, which is another reason that they do these things. Yeah, that's a fair point. I just think that there's been a lot of misses, man, like just a lot of misses. And Sam Darnold just a few years ago, Went top five. We saw already what happened with the 2016 draft that Wentz and uh, and Goff, the top two picks, gone. I, that's terrible. All right. Who's your number four ranked quarterback? Who? So my number four guy is Zach Wilson from BYU. Everyone says he's going to go number two, and I think that's going to be a gigantic mistake. I am not sold on him at all. 
So the problem with Zach Wilson is that, one, he's injury-prone. He's been hurt two years of the three. And people just want the new Mahomes, and he can do Mahomes-like things. He has crazy arm talent, the best of any quarterback in this bunch. He can make throws that no one else in this group can make, that Trevor Lawrence can't make. But every throw he makes like that, he makes two that are inaccurate. Even watching his pro day, he missed a lot of guys in his pro day throws. Those are scheduled throws against nobodies, like against air, and he couldn't hit them. Uh, during the BYU season, they didn't play many good teams. They played Northwestern, and sorry, they played Coastal Carolina. And he did not look great in that game. Looked okay, but my issue with him is that he's not a big guy at all. He's very slight, and he's injured twice in college. I think this could be a serious problem where he gets hurt a lot. The upside is huge, but I think the bad outweighs the good here. For Zach Wilson, I know I, was, I know what I was just saying about not forcing taking a quarterback when you don't have um, when you don't have to. But I think the Jets are in an interesting position because I don't think Sam Darnold's good. If they continue with Sam Darnold, and we've heard different sort of things, they're looking to evaluate, which you predicted, I believe, they're looking to evaluate the talent in the draft before they make a move on on Sam Darnold, uh, but. Long story short, if they pass on uh, Zach Wilson or Fields uh, and one of those or both of those guys are good and they stick with Darnold, that's going to look like such a big, big gaff, right? It's going to look, they're going to look really bad. Uh, but if they take one of those guys, ship out Darnold and Darnold looks okay elsewhere and those guys, particularly Zach Wilson, looks bad, like I think they're in a bit of a real gamble here. I agree. I would not take Zach Wilson in the top five. The th- everyone thinks he's going to be Mahomes because he can do Mahomes-like things. There's no other Mahomes. This guy's not walking through the door. But, yeah, I just I have my I have serious doubts about his long-term future in the NFL. Yeah, there's no way there could be. A, we didn't even know who Mahomes was for how many years. What are yeah. the odds we're going to get another Mahomes and another, what, three, four years later? Like, that isn't that's exactly. very unlikely. Who's, uh, who's number three? Justin Fields from Ohio State. I like Justin Fields a lot. He is a warrior. He has a great. He throws a great deep ball. He is very elusive in the pocket. I thought he was going to be my number two guy coming in. I was very impressed with his game. He got murdered against Clemson. Against the best team he played, he threw six touchdowns. He looked genuinely bad against Ohio State. Sorry, against Alabama in the championship game. But Alabama will do that to you a lot. Justin Fields has everything you want in a franchise quarterback. The thing is that he gets criticized for is that he doesn't process the field well. But he wasn't asked to in this offense. Everyone he threw to was wide open. He didn't have many throws where he had to throw guys open or where the guys were covered too closely. He had a very easy time, but he did the easy things very well. So it's hard to criticize him for doing things very well when he wasn't asked to do the harder things. But I think I think the chance of him succeeding are very high in the next level. I, I don't see a way where he is a bad NFL quarterback. I think he's going to be very good. So for to your point, um, I also think he's going to exceed, sorry, excel. But where he's slated in a lot of popular mocks is, and I think you've, you've even seen him going to Atlanta. Um, again, a kind of, kind of uh, dilemma that they're in because if Matt Ryan still has some years on him and Matt Ryan has already won the MVP and obviously we know he can be good um, and if Fields develops a lot slower and they ship out Matt Ryan uh, a little too early not saying they'll trade him this year but like next year or so like I don't know it's going to be interesting I think Atlanta is actually the perfect place for him where he doesn't have to play right away Matt Ryan can teach him some things I think that actually makes perfect sense. If he goes to Carolina at eight, I'd be much more concerned for his long-term future asking him to play right away. Because he's such a great athlete, he will succeed at certain things right away and win some games, but his long-term growth may be stunted. I think it'd be better for him to sit sit a year. I think besides Trevor, actually, I think all three, my three, four, and five guys would be better sitting a year. I think all those guys would benefit from that. The next two guys on my list... I think you play right away, though. Okay, and, and and with the controversial number three, <laughs> a guy who was number two for a good portion of the season until recently, um, who's he number two? Mac Jones from Alabama, 
who wow. I thought was going to be number five for me. I had no expectations for him at all. And everything he does is perfect. Ball placement, always on point. He is more elusive than you think. He doesn't get sacked very often, but again, Alabama has so much talent. It's kind of the Ohio State dilemma where they have they have NFL players everywhere. So there's a huge advantage, but he throws guys open better than almost anyone in this draft. He might even do it better than Lawrence. He throws with anticipation. He puts the ball where you're going to be, not where you are. Uh, listening to the Alabama receivers as well, they were all asked, who do you prefer, Tua or Mac Jones? They asked Chase, Waddle, uh, Devontae Smith, and all of them said, no, Mac is much better than Tua. Mac is the guy. I think that there is 0% chance that Mac Jones isn't in the NFL for 12 years. I'm not sure he's going to be a starter for all 12 years. But he's definitely going to have a place in this league as an amazing backup. When uh, Bill O'Brien came to Alabama, they had Mac Jones teach him the offense. That's how smart this guy is. He was teaching the coach the offense. He is. He doesn't have a gigantic arm, but he is. He. I think he's the most accurate of all these players in the draft. Some say Zach Wilson is. I think he's the most accurate player, and I love Mac Wilson's game. I think San Fran takes him at three. I think that's what they traded up for. For a guy who can play right now, I think Mac Wilson has, sorry, Mac Jones. I would be surprised if he's not starting in the NFL next year. I really would. Not a bad place to end up. No. A team that has a fantastic defense, great running game, uh, one of the great offensive minds in the in the league, um, great GM uh, who's done a really good job uh, with little experience, and um, and yeah, I think they're poised to to improve next year. And my number one quarterback is Trevor Lawrence. I have loved him since he was a freshman. Everybody knows Trevor Lawrence is amazing. He is the best quarterback I've seen since Andrew Luck. But it was closer than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a blowout for him versus all these guys. And it was closer than I thought. He wasn't that much better than these guys. So, yeah, that's it. Is there any chance that Trevor Lawrence underwhelms? Yes. Trevor Lawrence does things very well, but the thing is, he is good at everything. I'm not sure he is elite at, uh, sorry, he, he places the ball very well, but he is like an eight and a half on almost everything, but he's a 10 at very few things. But he, like, he checks all the boxes, but he's not the best at every box, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but I think yeah. I'd rather take that. That, that sounds like a surefire, uh, good quarterback. Oh, for sure. I said last year on our show that Trevor Lawrence will be a top 12 quarterback in the league next year, and I still think that's accurate. I think he has that talent where he is that good. I'd be shocked if he if he bust. I'd be absolutely shocked if Jacksonville doesn't work this out. Urban Meyer actually said today that, yeah, basically Trevor Lawrence is the guy. He said, we're leading that way, which means it's done. Like He's going to be the Jacksonville Jacks quarterback next year. I think if he wins, if he is a top five quarterback in three years, I will be like, yeah, that's 100% accurate. That makes sense. I don't think he, he'll ever be Mahomes because he just doesn't have that kind of arm talent. But he's so cerebral that I could see him being like just a little bit under those guys. Yeah, I can see that also because um, Brady should be gone. Rogers should be on the decline. So I think there'll be room leaving. for it. <laughs> there should be room for a fresh face or a couple of fresh faces in the top five. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the interview with Anthony K. Cause I, this was so much fun. I love talking to this guy. He was amazing. He was really good, man. So everyone, uh, please listen to his interview, subscribe to his Twitter at sports under underscore fluent, uh, subscribe to his podcast sports fluent with, uh, coach Hugh Jackson. It is amazing whenever they do it. It's a really a fun podcast. And we have an amazing guest for the show today. Anthony Kay, host of the Sports Fluent Podcast, the coach and AK with Coach Hugh Jackson. Amazing Twitter content at sports underscore fluent. Go to his website, sportsfluent.com as well for great content. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Anthony. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll just throw in another shameless plug. Don't forget to check out the Fluent and Sports merchandise also on the website. I respect the hustle. <laughs> nice touch. There have been so many stories in sports the last few days. Basketball, 
the NFL draft. But let's start with the buyout market. Andre Drummond was released from Cleveland and has signed with the Los Angeles Lakers, the current champions. Anthony, what are your thoughts on this move for the Lakers? So it's, you know, I, I don't know if you can see that ball behind me, but that's a, a Lakers championship ball from last year. Uh, I've been a lifelong Lakers fan, so I'm hoping it works out well. My fear is, what do the Lakers really miss from last season's team? And what they miss is, look, say what you want about Dwight Howard, but that Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, two guys who really played their roles, right? Very different from what the Dwight Howard was that we knew of the past, but played defense, rebounded, got under other players' skin a little bit, really focused on you know those intangible things that needed to be done. That's not really Drummond's game. So I like the move in the sense that he adds scoring and defense, uh, sorry, scoring, uh, and he can run up and down the court. So if they play that style, uh, I think Andre Drummond's a good pickup. But he, will he be willing to do all those intangible things that we saw Dwight Howard and uh, JaVale McGee do last season? That's the big question mark. If he does, if he buys into that, they're, they're in good shape because they needed something uh, after what's been going on with some of the other teams, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in the East. And Webb, you're the most optimistic Lakers fan in the world. Do you agree with Anthony here? Um, so I think it's going to be huge. Anthony, I don't know if you knew that I'm also a huge, huge uh, Laker fan. As you can see in the I back. did not. I did not. It's good. As you can see right <laughs> here. Um, and I uh, have a little bit of uh, of uh, literature in the back there. But um, I love the Drummond signing. Um, I see what you're saying in terms of he's not bringing exactly what Dwight and, and JaVale bring, but I do think that this guy is seriously underrated. I think I even underrated him before, um, before this year and before this signing. I didn't know he was eighth all time in rebounds per game. That is an absolutely incredible feat. And, uh, I know that he has a lot of critics. Um, one being that he doesn't play great defense, never been a two never really been a part of a winning culture um, even though he's been a top two offense for his entire career pretty much. Um, but I think he will sort of uh, keep his nose down and, and, and get in line. Um, he's averaging some ridiculous numbers. Like he's only made the all-star team twice, but um, if you look at him, he's been a four time rebounding champ and led the league in offensive rebounds for the past seven years. The Lakers, have had their injury woes this year and they need someone like this especially at the price that they paid for him which is not giving up anything in terms of a player or or a draft pick and um i love it i think he's going to bring energy i think he's going to bring size that's needed have size with with marcus Saul, but he's not agile he's not energetic he doesn't have yeah when you when you say marcus Saul, you know a lot of people say he's lost a step he's lost two right so they definitely yeah. needed another big who can move and that, that's why i say it he does bring a lot of the things that they need. Uh, but to your point, his defense is that's where the question mark is. Yeah, but I, I, I love it. And a lot of people have strangely written the Lakers off midseason. And I don't understand it because they were praising the offseason moves that they made with uh, Trez, um, getting Schroeder, getting Marcus Saul, Wes Matthews, um, sort of unprecedented moves, although they lost guys like Dwight, JaVale, Danny Green, and playoff Rondo, who was huge. Um, but they did so well when everyone was healthy and, and they've had injuries and they've, they've gone from uh, fourth in rebound percentage to 13th rebounding percentage to 20th in rebound percentage. Like I think Drummond is someone who's very much needed and they need some, some energy into this team love it yeah it's funny before the injuries i think everybody forgets they had like the second best record in the nba and anytime you have a team with lebron and ad they're going to compete and i think the big thing is when you do move for move because i was i was one of those guys this offseason when i saw you know i think uh schroeder for rondo is an upgrade overall right playoff rondo maybe a different animal altogether but that's a better move wesley matthews I think is a better player at this point in his career than Danny Green. So if you just look player for player, they've upgraded. But we always forget about a couple of things. There's chemistry, right? When you bring in that many new players, how they fit together, how they get to understand each other's play. 
um, you know, the, so that chemistry becomes important, that fit that role, right? So even though, look, I think Trez and I think Matthew specifically have probably disappointed statistically from what we expected, right? Will they accept their role in this team? Will they accept their role in this offense? Will they accept what they need to do on defense? And I think they started to, and then that's when the injuries started to pile up. So, you know, it's going to be very dependent. How quickly can LeBron and AD get back, get healthy? And if they're any time before the playoffs, if they're all healthy, they're still the team out of the West, right? For me. Now, granted, I'm biased. Um, but I think it's hard to argue that they're not probably the, the best team because we also forget most of those guys on that team had a run. They went to the finals. And you know when a team goes to the finals, they understand that difference, that different speed in the playoffs, what it takes to win. So I like their chances. As someone who's rooting for a reverse jinx here, I'm saying the Lakers are guaranteed a title now. This, <laughs> this Drummond signing with AD LeBron, that front court is so big. I think their biggest competition is Brooklyn, and they have nowhere near the size that the Lakers do. Guaranteed victory, titles Lakers, 100% guaranteed. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and and to your, both your points, size was, to me, the advantage that I was touting all last year in terms of what the Lakers had over everyone. It was just size, size, size. And that's why I got really frustrated at times when they were settling uh, for jump shots because I just didn't understand why they weren't just pushing it inside and just trying to finish. They don't have that as much this year um, because, like, Dwight was huge, JaVale was huge, and obviously AD, that was that was huge. Um so we'll see what happens. But I, I love them as the favorite out the West. And Brooklyn's been stacking up, but we'll see what happens. So the likely contender from the East is Brooklyn. And they made a move, too. They signed LaMarcus Aldridge, who was released by the Spurs. Uh, he had to pay back $7.5 million to the Spurs to get out of his contract. Brooklyn, I find this move very strange. Do you like it, Anthony? It scares me. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why. It's, you know, it, as, as much as I liked the the move by the lakers right to fill a definite need i don't know what does aldridge bring to that team that they didn't already have and you know we saw in the past and the lakers got burned by it years ago when you bring in kind of these older past their prime let's be honest past their prime stars do they give enough right because we know he's chasing a ring right that's why he's signed there you know we know that blake griffin right obviously wanted to get out of Detroit. It wasn't a good situation. It was a losing, uh, a losing team. And he's, he's looking for a ring too. He's never been kind of to the finals either. And it reminded me right away and not of the exact same thing, but it reminded me of the Lakers when they brought in kind of Gary Payton and Carl Malone, their things looked good for a while. Now, granted Malone got hurt and that caused uh, some of the issues too, but I just, where does, where does Aldridge fit into that team? They've already got, you know, Deandre Jordan. They slide him in at power forward. Well, that's where Blake Griffin is. He's not going to play small forward again when everybody's healthy. That's KD spot, right? And then you got Kyrie and Harden in the backcourt. So is is he happy coming off the bench or is Griffin happy coming off the bench? I'm not even talking about you know their their current bench and their young players that they have as well. There's another young uh, center I think Claxton there as well. So they've got they seem to have you know I don't know how a rookie coach like Steve Nash is going to piece that together to put them in their best situation to win. And it goes back to the same thing. Will they accept a role that they're not used to, right? Aldrich is used to getting the ball in the post scoring. He's, he's got kind of a, you know, it's, this isn't the trailblazers Aldrich that the LaMarcus Aldrich that they're getting, right? This is a different guy. So it'd be curious to see how that pans out, but that I really thought he was going to go to the heat. And I think he, he made more sense if, if he had signed with the heat. So it's a, it's an interesting move. Yeah, I agree with you. The Heat signing Aldridge would have made more sense than the Nets. Um, I like it for Brooklyn. Uh, for me, there's definitely going to be an odd man out, and it, I think it's probably going to be DeAndre Jordan. Um, Blake Griffin, to me, like Coop's a huge fan of Blake Griffin. I'm not really a huge fan of his. I think he's very limited, although he's changed his game from being the above-the-rim guy. He can dunk again, okay? He can dunk again. <laughs> Yes. Every time he dunks, I, I get uh, someone at me. Hey, look, he's dunking again. A la Vince Carter uh, when he refused to dunk for the Raptors and then moved to the Nets. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Guys have done it before. And I, just, I think it's a little bit different than that scenario. Yeah, but I, I, I like Aldridge. I think he can he can still thrive there. Um, 
I think Brooklyn went from a team that was being sort of criticized early on as being very top heavy to now people are saying they're, they're either too deep. Uh, a GM complained that it wasn't fair that, you know, Brooklyn and the Lakers were signing all these guys. So I think I, I, I like the aggression that Brooklyn's showing. Um, they lost out. Well, they weren't going to be able to have Aldridge, sorry, uh, Drummond. So they went for Aldridge, different type of player, more finesse kind of guy, uh, you know, can pick and pop. But I, I like it for them. Yeah, it's funny. I hear I hear a lot of that too about oh, it's not fair. The Lakers in the buyout market, and it's it's two things for me. So one, you can do it. That's the way the NBA is set up today. So don't get mad at the rules, right? Whether they're creating super teams, guys are you know colluding to come together people are getting bought out and they're shipping them over it's legal for me right i would change the rule personally i I've, i talked about this yesterday on a different show where i they had asked me and i said if it was me if i was the commissioner of the nba the buyout market is you're bought out and you'll play till next year which i you know depending on what time of the year you're bought out i think there should be a, a deadline to when you can sign with another team which there is or if you're bought out, then it goes in reverse order of standings and people can claim you at the minimum vet for the remainder of the year, right? That way you don't just get a bunch of guys forcing their way out. Like you said, I think you said Aldrich uh, paid back 7.5 million to get out so that he can go to a contender. Well, this eliminates those things from happening because they can't happen. So as a rule, I would change it. And that's what I would do or a couple of options that I would do. But as it stands today, I'm not mad. I would do, listen, if I said I said this yesterday, if, if the Nets called me and said, "Hey, come join us. We're on our you know on our way to get a ring," I'm going too. I'm taking that. I'm I'm not going to say sorry. You have too many stars. I'm going. I'm on my way. I love that idea, reverse waiver kind of thing where that makes a lot of sense to me. That makes perfect sense. That's a great idea. That would fix all the problems, right? Because then you get these teams. Right, one you get players now second guessing whether they want to be bought out because oh, I'm going to leave San Antonio and get picked up by pick a team at the bottom. I won't, you know, Detroit. Detroit, you know, I'm not going to, I don't mean to pick on it, but yeah, I, I don't want to go to Detroit. I'd rather stay in San Antonio, which makes sense. Um, and it also then takes where they probably end up if they do get bought out, there's some middle level teams that maybe, Hey, you know, the bottom team say, Hey, there's no chance of us doing this. Let's just let them slide. But then there's a team who's in the middle of the standings, who's in like ninth or eighth and says, Hey, if we get one piece, that might be enough to get us a few wins to get us into the playoffs. Who knows what happens? Let's use Toronto as an example. They pick up an Aldrich. I don't know that that's the right fit, but let's use it as the example. They pick up Aldrich. It gets them a couple of wins. They get into the playoffs. Do they convince them, look at what a great culture we have? You know, we won a championship a few years ago. Now maybe they get that player to re-sign with them, whether it's a Drummond or an Aldrich or, or whoever, right? There's opportunities for those teams. And that's what, you know, that's why we do a lottery draft. It's to try and create a balance between the teams because when every team has a chance, this is what we love about the NFL. Going into every season, my team has a chance at a Super Bowl. It's not the case as much with the NBA. Like there's, right. you know, three, four teams really that have a legit shot. I see from the helmet in the back that you're a Bears fan. So you do not have a chance every year at the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. That's every every year, every year I believe we have a shot. Um, but uh, yes, that it's not necessarily true, but I believe we have a shot. <laughs> I am the last Andy Dalton supporter left, so I probably agree with you, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Last week, um, I asked Coach about it, who obviously coached, uh, Coach Hugh Jackson, who coached Andy Dalton. And I said, hey, you know, you guys, uh, you, you promised me, you know, Deshaun, which maybe we don't want at this point, but, or Russell Wilson. And he gave me Andy Dalton. Do I have a shot? <laughs> and he laughed and said, you know, and we had two comedians on the show. And he said, I'll let those guys answer. So, you know, when his old coach is kind of saying, hey, I would let the comedians answer. Yeah, I'm not feeling really good about our starting QB this year. Thank you for that, Anthony, because <laughs> if Coop is the last uh, Andy Dalton fan, I'm probably VP, if not president of the Andy Dalton Haters Club. <laughs> I think he Andy Dalton, sorry, he's, he's underrated. He, he had a decent career. I think what happened is, look, he he gets punished and rewarded for the same thing. So he gets rewarded with the fact that, Hey, he won a lot of regular season games and he did put up some good numbers in the regular season, but he had zero success in the playoffs, but that's not all on him. Like I believe his, their last playoff game, if you remember uh, they, he gave it to his defense, which was good in the late in the fourth quarter with the lead. 
and they got, I don't know, like 16 penalties in the last 30 seconds. And I believe it was Pittsburgh who drove down and scored on them and, and they lost. That's Montez not on perfect. Him. Got kicked out of the game. Yeah, Montez, that. That, that one. Yes. Yeah. So that that's not on him. The other side of it is though, you look at the weapons he had and you're like, well, yeah, of course he put up numbers. Look at the offense he was in. So that's why last year I was actually interested to see if he got a chance to go to Dallas. If he got a chance to play, obviously only if Dak got hurt, Dak ends, Dak ends up getting hurt. He get, goes in. We realize how bad that def, or that offense is in Dallas, um, and how much Dak was really carrying that that team, which is why he got paid. And you know, maybe Dalton's now. Who knows? He's older, different player now. So uh, unfortunately, that's you know, you, you work with what you got. Uh, so I'm still holding out hope that there's a chance we still uh, make a trade for for Wilson. There's rumors that uh, they're still working something. Yeah, because you guys have such a. a... A great relationship with your star receiver, uh, Allen Robinson. So, be good to pair him <laughs> with Russ. <laughs> Got to do something. So, Webb and I went deep on the NBA trade deadline last week. What are some moves that you loved? Because I think Webb is going to agree with you on a couple of them. You know, one that I'm surprised wasn't isn't talked about a lot. I like what the Nuggets did. Right? I know they all. Everyone knows all the other moves. I like Aaron Gordon in in denver i think he with Jokic and uh and jamal murray and others i think that's a nice pairing it, again if he can be healthy i know he's, he's had some injuries this season but i really like him in that offense um the uh, you know there's the obvious ones but i think that's the big one that stood up for me that i was surprised very few people talked about it um what are the ones you said there were some that you also liked that that's a big one for me that no one talks about so coop actually liked that deal a lot um the Nuggets getting uh, Aaron Gordon. I'm not a big Aaron Gordon guy. I think that my um, me liking him or my memories of him are more towards his athleticism with the dunk contest and you know in game dunking and like he's he's a good defender. Um, but I just feel like the Nuggets there's a, such a huge gap between them and the Lakers, and I don't know if they're going to beat the Clippers again this year. And I felt that they should have gotten someone a little bit better than Aaron Gordon. I thought they should have gotten, they should have traded Gary Harris a long time ago and maybe even Will Barton. I just think they should have gotten someone a little bit better. Who, who do you think they had an opportunity to get um, that would have been an upgrade from Gordon? From Gordon? That's a tough question. I wish I had the answer to that. Uh, well, and that's um, why I say it was a good move, right? Yeah. Is because when you look at what else was available, you know, they could go in on what? Who else got traded? There isn't really anyone that fit into that. And to your point about the athleticism, I kind of like Murray penetrating or Jokic, you know, setting him up for, he's still, look, is he as athletic? No, because of those injuries, but he's like 99% of what he was, right? Jokic is going to throw in, throw in him some lobs. He's going to get some open plays because of Jokic's great passing ability. And look, I'm, I'm hesitant to knock anyone that played in Orlando. Right, it's, I, it just wasn't a good team. I just thought of someone, yeah, who I would have liked better, John Collins. And I'm not saying John Collins is a better defender. I just think I would have liked him a little better, and he was available, uh, supposedly. Well, supposedly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And who knows? They might have kicked the tires and couldn't get him, but maybe, um, or what they were asking for. Like you know, we hear Beal's available, but what would you have had to give up to get Beal? Probably wasn't worth it. Um, you know, so the other guys that didn't get traded, like you know, those guys, we don't know. Right, Kyle Lowry's the the Beals. The, the, you hear you hear those names, but could they have actually gotten them? Who knows? That's why Aaron Gordon was perfect for Denver. He was gettable. He was very cheap to get, and he fits so well in that team. Jokic can't really guard anybody. Gordon can guard almost anybody. He's a big body. He can take some of the pressure off Jokic on the defensive end, which helps gigantically for Denver. It's perfect. I won't go perfect, but yeah, it was a really good, definitely a good, I, like I said, I admit, here's how I, how I rate trades. Does it make your team better? And it, I think it does. Right. So it, again, if you look at some of those other, some of the other moves, there was some other ones that, I don't know. I just, I was, you guys went deep. So you, you probably have some, <laughs> you know, throw some at me, but I don't, there wasn't anything that really, you know, there's some names, but was there anything that stood out to you guys that was like, oh my God, this is a game changer? I so, like Miami getting all the depot quite a bit. I thought that improved their title chances in the East. That was the main one for me where I thought this could swing things eventually. 
besides that, I agree with you. Not too much. What, what do you think? So I love the Oladipo to Miami. Um, this is a trade that I love, but I'm not saying it's going to swing anything. Norman Powell to Portland. I love that deal. I'm not saying it's going to make a huge difference in terms of making Portland like a Western Conference title contender. But I think it's a scoring threat that they needed. And as someone who can also play above the rim, uh, not the same way as Aaron Gordon, but can get to, to, to the hoop and also has improved his, uh, his range incredibly. I, I loved it for Portland. I mean, again, that's not going to be the answer to them getting out of the first round necessarily, but I think they're not going to get out in five games now. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. anytime you can add a scorer who's won a championship, right, who's a, for all intents and purposes, a good character guy who who's, has played better in the playoffs than he's played in the regular season, it's always a good one. But yeah, to your point, does that make it them title contenders? No. Um, from his body language in the first couple of games, I don't know how happy he is uh, to be in Portland. So as long as he can, now it's tough to tell with him because he always kind of has that mean mug on. But I think, you know, if he gets it right, again, you add another score to CJ McCollum and, and to um, Dame Lillard. Of course, it makes them a better threat, a bigger threat. So it's a nice move. It, again, not a game changer move to the Oladipo thing. I like Oladipo. I just, you know, I... I and I'm not just saying this because I'm living in Toronto. I think if they had picked up Kyle Lowry, I think it would have helped them more than what Oladipo brings to what that team in terms of what they need. Um, if that makes sense. I think they needed a guy like Lowry, even though Oladipo, I'll agree, is the better, at this point in their career, the better player. I agree with that. I'm not sure Oladipo is better than Lowry even because he's so injury prone. Well, I, again, I, all uh, assuming they're yeah. healthy, right? I, we, we talk about this a lot. You know, the best... Uh, what is it? The best uh, attribute ability. is ability. Yeah, best ability is availability. Yeah. Best ability is availability. Right. So again, if they can be healthy, he's like I said, healthy. He's the better player. But I, I still think Lowry would have been the better fit. I understand that Toronto was probably asking for a little bit too much, as they should. That is honestly the perfect segue because I want to talk a little football before we get out of here. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo, gone San Francisco. He cannot stay healthy. So San Fran traded up from 12 to three. Yeah. They're apparently going to take a quarterback. Do you like this move for San Fran? I've always been a Jimmy G guy and Webb has insulted me for years about this. Do you like this uh, move? Uh, I'm, I'm with Webb. I am not a, <laughs> I am not a Jimmy G guy. Uh, I think you can throw Jimmy G in with, I think it was Charlie Whitehurst and um, oh. that other Matt guy, Matt, whatever his name was, that Castle. Writer, Matt Castle, Matt Castle. Yeah. Who won 11 games for the Patriots uh, that year that Brady was hurt. He hasn't shown me anything in San Francisco that would make me think he is a quality starting quarterback in this league. And, and then, he, you know, and he's hurt. So yeah, I, I like the move for San Francisco. I know that they were kicking the tires on, on a Deshaun Watson trade. I know that they've been looking for a quarterback. They're not going to say it publicly, but Jimmy G's not the guy. And, you know, they've kind of wasted, and trust me, as a Bears fan, I know wasting great defenses with no QB and what that does to a franchise, it kills you. And so, yeah, they, they don't trade. Listen, there's people say they're trading up and they're talking about O-line and why you don't trade up to number three um, unless you're taking a quarterback. So I think definitely they're taking a quarterback. Does that quarterback help them this year? That remains to be seen because they're probably getting – what is it? Probably Fields, maybe. Um, it, you know, is he the guy that gets them to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I agree. I agree with you, Webb. I don't see, you know, Jimmy G being the guy. And I think he's just another product of, you know, had a good run uh, for the Patriots. And then once he left, uh, it didn't show me anything. To be honest, Anthony, I don't even think that's the reason why he has his cachet. I think it's two things. He has a really cool name, Jimmy G. <laughs> right. I'm, and I think his looks, he is prototypical quarterback build. And I never saw too much from him that made me feel like this guy was going to be a franchise quarterback. I always felt like a lot of the, the hype around him was because he was coming from Belichick's camp and because Belichick uh, regarded him so highly. But I never saw anything like where he was a top 10, top 12 quarterback. And I just never understood why they gave him that extension. Um, it's, it's, it's insane to me. Like, I feel like 
like Will Ferrell in Anchorman when he says, I feel like I'm taking, is it Will, is it Anchorman or, 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 or Zoolander where he says, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Maybe it's Zoolander. <laughs> um, in my, so probably a lot of movies. It's, it's funny that you brought that up too about Jimmy G that he looks the part, right? Cause it remind it, I think back and just name me, you know, you, you said you like Jimmy G. So you tell me, name me a quarterback other than Tom Brady, who's left the Patriots during the Bill Belichick era that has succeeded. Heck, for that matter, name me a coach who has left that coaching tree and has had great success. Nick Saban. You're going way back. <laughs> That's one. Uh, yeah, I think you're going a little too far back. But, okay. But you know Kobe what I mean? Brissett had a little success. Oh, in but... the, wait, in the NFL. How about that? I'll throw in that caveat too. Um, right, Jacoby like, Brissett was okay for a little bit. Yeah, okay. Jacob, but even that, he was okay. Yeah. Right? He's not a franchise quarterback, but oh, no. when you saw them playing in the Patriots kind of in that system with their, you know, the way that they were set up, they looked a lot better than they were. And so that's why, you know, I've never been a fan of Jimmy G's. I think, you know, to, to Webb's point, there's, you know, he's got the look of the quarterback, right? He's like, Hey, he's this you know, tall, good looking dude. And I get it. And, and um, yeah, like two, to your point about San Francisco trading up, for no reason other than to grab a quarterback. I was talking to Coop about this the other day, and I have a bit of a reservation of this, this to, to, against this paradigm that you have to take a quarterback early. Because you even said, like, is it going to be Fields? Probably. Is he going to take them to the Super Bowl? Eh, remains to be seen. Like, I, and we've even seen, like, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz are gone. Like, if you just, I think a lot of these execs are stuck in this, this, have these blinders on and have this 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 school of thought that you have to take a quarterback early on if you have a if you have a pick unless you have a franchise quarterback there already and i don't know man like i i'm really against that now like forcing it like we saw baltimore get lamar at the end of the first round and then you see teams forcing it like i was looking back on some of the drafts like when buffalo forced it to get uh ej manuel like in 2013 or when uh blake borders was taken number three overall like some, like granted, like some of these guys had had college success, but I just think sometimes teams force it. I wouldn't. I don't know. I think I'd. I always say I'd rather take a, a proven commodity, trade for a player, if you can, without surrendering too much, um, than banking on some of these players like Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, uh, RG three, like a lot of these guys, like Jameis Winston. Um, I don't know, Mariota, like so Yeah, many... no, it's you're you're right, but it's it's here's the problem, because it's a it's a catch twenty-two, right? If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you need to find a franchise quarterback, right? It's let's be honest, it's the most important position. So you have to find that person. Where teams make the mistake is, to your point, is reaching, right? Trading away picks, like listen, I'm my team's guilty of it, right? They traded a ton of picks to move up one spot to get Mitch. And they were wrong. If they were right, we look back and go, what a shrewd move, you know, trading up that one spot because someone else would have taken them and he's a superstar. But when you're wrong, well, now that hurts them for years to come because they traded up so much to give, you know, to move up that one spot and get the wrong quarterback. To your point, I think the teams that have had success, right, they're not, unless it's a surefire, but there's no surefire guy. It's the guys that wait and they stick to their draft board and they do something else that's really important and I'll use the Bengals as the example. The Bengals picked the right quarterback in Joe Burrow. But I said this last year, and I had um, we we're doing a pre-draft show with Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. And her and I might have been the only two people in the world that said they shouldn't take him. They should take, and I for, I'm drawing a blank now, uh, I think Chase Young, I think, right? Was that? Yeah, Chase draft? Young. They should have taken him number one overall because that makes their defense where they have a huge need better. Why did we say not to take a quarterback? They don't have an offensive line. And look what happened to Joe Burrow, right? You need to have an O-line that's somewhat adequate to protect your quarterback and weapons around them, right? Even Carson Wentz, you know, as much as, you know, he's not, you know, you brought him up a couple of times as, oh, he's been, you know, he's gone from Philly. Yeah, but they had no offensive line. He was getting destroyed and then he got hurt, right? But when he was healthy and there was weapons there, he was looking like an MVP. I go back further to like David Carr. If you remember this and everyone grimaces when I say David Carr in Houston, I think he got sacked like 600 times, right? No one, and he knocked him right out of the league. 
Well, that's because they didn't have an offensive line. You hear Russell Wilson this year. What's he saying? Stop taking basketball players and trying to make them <laughs> offensive linemen. Right? I need protection. I can't run for my life. Patrick Mahomes may be, may be the best quarterback in the league right now. And who knows down the road, maybe one of the greatest of all time if he keeps playing the way he's been playing. How did he look in the Super Bowl? Right? He looked human because he was running for his life. I think they said he ran 490 yards of scrambling that game. And he looked terrible. He didn't have protection. So that's why it's like to, you know, to move up in the draft. And, and I got to look at these teams that, you know, it's like San Francisco, for example. But to move up in the draft and take a quarterback, if you don't have the weapons and the protection, it's a wasted pick because they're not going to pan out. You're going to, you know, again, I'll use my bears again. Mitch isn't a horrible quarterback, right? I wouldn't have done any of those things to get him. But in the, in, in, in the plays where you see him with protection, Right, with only one receiver, let's be honest, um, he looked good. It's just those instances where he looked good were few and far between. So it's it scares me when you move up unless you're ready to take that quarterback. And I just wanted to talk talk to your point or touch on your point about yeah. uh, Wentz. Um, not to belabor the issue, but I'm I'm not a huge Wentz fan, but I am somewhat of a Wentz apologist, and I've had debates with Coop. Coop is a like the biggest. Indianapolis Colts fan that I know. Um, so <laughs> Unfortunately, he was, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't thrilled with Carson Wentz even being rumored to come to the Colts, let alone when they actually traded for him. And I tried to tell him, like, the pass protection that he had early on in the MVP season is very different. I mean, it's the same, which is a problem, but it's different because these guys are older and hurt. And also, he didn't have the weapons, like, Carson Wentz, I think, is a good quarterback. Like he was the front runner for MVP before he got hurt. Um, but yeah, and I agree with you. Like I think we even had a Coop and I had a debate as to whether they should take uh, Chase Young or uh, or Joe Burrow. And I look at a guy like Tua Tagovailoa from last uh, last year's draft, who they took at five over Justin Herbert, who no one knew he was going to be out the gate like sensational. But um, I didn't think they had to reach for Tua at that point. And maybe he would have been, been gone, but I didn't think they had to take Tua at five. I think they could have taken, and the name's drawing a blank to me right now, but I think they could have maybe even traded down and gotten Tua a little later. And look what Yeah, happened. it's it's funny because you take a team that basically spent the whole previous season tanking for Tua, and that probably would have been a PR nightmare if they didn't take him. And that probably yeah. did pressure them into making that selection. But I think you're right. They could have waited. I'm going to go back a step to your Carson Wentz on the Colts. If Carson Wentz is ever in a situation to succeed, this is the year, right? Your Colts have a good, like a really good offensive line. They've got a running game. They've got some receivers. Um, they got the tight end. Like they really have what they need for him to be successful. So this is really, we're really going to see, and, and he's back with Frank Wright, right? And that's who, the, you know, who he had when he had his success. So this, you're in a better situation because, Wentz was being rumored to the Bears too. And I was like, no, 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 we don't know. Right? And then we ended up with Dalton. So I was like, oh, maybe Wentz. Yeah, actually, maybe we should we should have gone for Wentz. But I think he's in a good situation. Um, and, and back sort of to your point, you know, with Tua, I think they had to take him. Yeah, that's, I really don't think they, they had much option but to take him because of what they did. But again, you know, to, and Herbert. Yeah, Herbert was the other one that you mentioned. Herbert was brought in the right way. He wasn't supposed to be the starter. And if it wasn't for a freak accident, we'll call it an accident with Tyrod Taylor. Attempted murder. Attempt, well, yeah, <laughs> maybe. It depends what conspiracy guy you have on the show. <laughs> um, but if it wasn't for that incident, I believe it, we'll call it an incident. <laughs> if it wasn't for that incident, he's not even playing. And, and they're grooming him and he probably comes in. Again, though, he gets into a team that has offensive weapons, right? He has players that he can throw, you know, he can throw the ball to, he can bail it out to, you know, he can they have deep threats. They have Keenan Allen. Like they have players around him. And as much as the quarterback makes receivers better, right? Receivers can make the quarterback look pretty good too. I have come around to the Wentz trade a little bit because I saw what San Francisco paid to get to number three. So Wentz is a better option than doing that. But it's not so much his play I'm worried about. It's how he seems so terrible in the locker room in Philly. Guys just didn't like him. There were open reports that he was like, alienating guys in the room. They wanted Jalen Hurst to play over him. 
it seems like there was something about his personality that turned guys off. And I'm just worried that he could do that again in Indianapolis. The only, yeah, it, look, there's, there goes to that chemistry thing again. I'll say that I think Frank Wright um, is a good enough coach and has enough, you know, he has the respect of his team that look, he's probably vouching for Wentz. So they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I also hope that if any of those rumors are true, right, he's the type of guy who's been with him before who pulls him aside and says, hey, I need you to act this way. Um, you know, so, you know, there's that's where coaching comes in. You, if, if you know that about a player, um, you need to do it, right? Like if I'm Carson Wentz, I probably go in and say, hey, you probably heard this, that, and the other about me. Here's the facts. Uh, you know, I'm all I care about is winning. You know, all the cliche stuff, right? I, all I care about is winning. I, I don't care about this. Uh, you know, that stuff was over exaggerated about me not wanting Jalen Hurts. I was helping him. Like, he's got to say all the right things um, and make it right. Or else, hey, he's going to be in the same situation where he goes there for a year and or two and then he's, and he's gone. Um, you know, that's why I really, you know, it was interesting since we're talking Colts. The Philip Rivers thing was weird to me. You knew he wasn't going to be there. Obviously, he's not a long-term solution. So I'm surprised that they didn't kind of draft or do something last year even to have this plan in place because they didn't know Wentz was going to become available, right? So it's not like they were, you know, had a plan that we were going to you know, bring Wentz in. I think it was just stopping the wheels from falling off that Rivers was a guy that Frank Reich knew in San Diego. Yeah. And was like, we'll just hope for the best for a year until the plan can come into place. But who knows what the, what the culture is. Uh, listen, football, <laughs> football, the football gods are so finicky. I never want to waste a year. Like you never know what's going to happen with your, be it your receivers, your, you know, their strength, their offensive line. Like I wouldn't wait a year because you never know. The, the biggest sort of example I remember with that happening is Adrian Peterson, to your point, when he had a chance to break the rushing record for most yards in a season in that last game, and he elected not to go any further. I think he knelt or he, they pulled him. I don't remember if Leslie Frazier pulled him and he's never, he's been great for you know his age and stuff, but he's never had the chance to repeat anything near that since. Well, look, look, look no further than another running back who thought I'm going to hold out for a year and then get paid and be the greatest running back um, in the league again. And do we talk about Le'Veon Bell anymore? He's a free agent. Right. Like, have you heard anything about anybody caring or wanting Le'Veon Bell? And when he, we remember when he held out, was there a better running back in the league? And not just from a fantasy perspective, which drove me nuts. Cause um, you know, actually I was fortunate enough. I think I actually picked him up and then traded him um, that season that he didn't play at all. Cause everyone thought he was going to come back, but you know, he was just never the same again. You just, you never know. And he's still a young guy relatively. He's oh, only yeah. 28, I believe. Yeah. yeah running, running backs, unfortunately, you know, uh, it's, it's, no one's going, you know, I think running backs have, I hate to say it, we're in a, we're in this space where you're just going to take a young running back and these guys aren't going to get, it's too bad because for the abuse that they take, um, they're just, they're not going to get the contracts that they deserve anymore because there's just always somebody else that'll come in and, and, and do as good. Like look at the chiefs. They went from hunt, right. They got rid of him to, uh, was it Damian Williams, who was probably the MVP, to uh, Hillier, uh, Edwards Hillier? Like, it, it just, they just plug in a new guy and, and they're okay. You know, like, I thought Damian Williams was the MVP of that Super Bowl. Not, not, uh, I know, you know, people fight me with saying it was, it was Patrick Mahomes, but I think it was Damian Williams. And he decides to stand out for a year and no problem. Here's a rookie that just pops right in and looks great. Hey, Anthony, we're going to get you out of here on this. One of your passion projects is bringing an NFL team to Toronto. We are all from Toronto on this call. We want it to happen as well. Explain your idea because I think the listeners are going to love this. Okay. So I have this thing. I stole it from Google. It's called the moonshot, which is you know just something that I, I dream to happen one day. And, and my dream is to bring an NFL franchise to Toronto. So I kind of post it everywhere that I can. I tell as many people as I can, you know, I have a bunch of people said they're in. So the idea is, um, and this is not to knock the CFL. I'm not trying to get rid of the Argos. This is not to put Buffalo out of business. But, you know, 50% of Buffalo of the Buffalo Bills, um, at least they tell me, 50% of the Buffalo Bills season ticket holders are from Toronto. We're the 
third or fourth largest city. I think we just knocked out Chicago, actually, uh, a little while ago as the third or fourth largest city in North America. We obviously have, uh, you know, a, a, a city that can support an NHL team, right? No matter how good or bad the Leafs are, they sell out every night. We saw what happens when you put a quality product on the basketball uh, on, in the NBA. We are one of the top attendants in terms, well, back when we could attend games, we were at the top in attendance, jersey sales, all that kind of stuff. We could support an NBA team. And we still have a fan base that I think can go, you know, wants to see the NFL. Now, I saw the NFL when they brought the Bills over for a couple of games, you know, the Toronto series. And people said, well, that was a bit of a flop. Yeah, but that wasn't our team. Right. The one thing you love about Toronto is we love Toronto. We love Toronto sports and we will support our teams. Right. What MLS, uh, lacrosse, whatever it is, you see, you know, people out at our games, especially when there's a winner. And so I have this idea to bring to bring a franchise here, whether it's buy another team, expand another team. The easiest one would be to bring Buffalo. Right. And what my thought process was bring the Buffalo, bring Buffalo uh, up to Toronto. And then we use Buffalo as the off season training facility, kind of all that kind of stuff. So we keep them in the mix. So I know you want to hear about the plan. So here's the plan. There's two islands uh, currently where the CNE, not CNE, sorry, where Ontario place used to be. So I believe it's the East and the West Island. So we've measured it out. And the East Island is about the same size as where Orchard Park, uh, so the Buffalo Bills Stadium, the amount of space that that takes up, the East Island's about the same. So the idea is we, and they're not using it for anything. They, you know, there's been plans, they've fallen through. It's just kind of sitting there. So we use the East Island for the stadium. The West Island becomes a huge tailgating, licensed tailgating facility, because that's also the biggest thing is we can't tailgate. Uh, in Canada, it's not, you know, you don't have the, the license, but you make that section licensed. You you do it like a, um, like if you go camping and you know, you have to, you know, you have to rent a, a lot and you got lot 39. Okay. It's the third tree on the left, right? You do that same way. And people go there with, with shuttles between the two islands, which you could have. And then the current Ontario place is just all the parking. So you have it all set up. It's on the lake. It's beautiful. You bring in the Toronto North. That's the name of the team. Um, that's good that's good do you like that and and i i feel like we have enough nfl fans and look initially yeah I, I you know we're gonna be cheering for other teams but much like you know if you remember the raptors when they were in a very bad sky dome for their first few years and there's probably more fans of the other teams than there were of the raptors you build up the awareness you build up you know uh people's knowledge of the game and look for people who knew basketball if you remember it was kind of, you know, you're a little embarrassed to, you know, when they were talking about this is how you dribble a ball, but they needed to do it. And and look where it is now. Like, could you imagine the NBA without the Raptors right now? It's, it'd be crazy. So I think there's so much opportunity to bring the NFL. It's a great product. I don't think it takes away from the CFL because it is a really, really different game. Um, and that's, so that's kind of the, you know, that's the dream. And I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, and I'm sure that's going to get picked up. I'm sure it's going to get picked up and you're going to be, we're going to see you on something talking about that because I think that is something that's very practical. And also with the Skydome that is rumored to be uh, redeveloped over the next couple of years. Uh, I know there are, I think it's Brookfield that's looking to redevelop uh, the Skydome, sorry, the Rogers Center uh, soon. That's going to be very interesting as well. So could that a new sort of uh, use there uh, because I think they're trying to bring in multiple uses. Could that also help be a pull factor for an NFL team? Now you can have potentially a state of the art um, stadium and, you know, it's everything that you mentioned, like the, the support, like Toronto fans really support everything winning or losing people were still going to the Raptors. I know people who told me like, um, the Raptors are really bad. The only way that this team's going to improve is, is if fans stop attending the games, but they did, they couldn't do that. Um, so it's interesting. It's going to be, it's a very good idea. And I think I would love to see the Toronto North uh, come to, obviously come to the NFL. Yeah. It's, you know, it, the NHL has been here for so long and, and people always ask it. Toronto hasn't had a winner. Like we haven't won a Stanley cup since 67, but people still go. It's, it, it just, it takes time. 
you know, I, and I think when franchises don't give uh, or leagues give a city time to really, you know, develop that love for the game and for the team, and they pull them too early, like I think Vancouver, I think Vancouver, the NBA could have worked. They made a lot of mistakes, but it could have worked. Um, and that's, you know, even like I go back to the series like we talked about with bringing in the Bills, I think they just, they didn't give it, it wasn't their team. And, you know, the Bills just make the most sense um, to, to move across, but I don't want to just take away a franchise from, you know, that means a lot to that, to that city. And I know that there was a, when the Bills got sold a few years back, one of the things was, hey, we don't want you moving them. So look, that might not be realistic. It might just have to be an expansion or, or a different team. Um, but if it is the Bills, you know, I, I would say you still want to keep that tie into Buffalo. Like I said, that's why I'd want the training facilities, the off-season workouts, you know, OTAs, all to be there in Buffalo so that you still use that stuff. Um, I just think it makes too much sense, right, not to do it because, look, they're, it's a sm- Buffalo's a small city, right, in comparison, especially to Toronto. So um, I just I think we're at that point now where we can support that team and 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 we should. And look, they've talked about moving, you know, uh, growing uh, the NFL and making it international. Right. They talked about having a team in London. They've talked about having a team in Mexico City. Well, how about a team? How about a city? Like I said, that's already has professional like the the other big three. We already have them all and we show that it works. Right. Why not us? That's amazing. I hope it happens tomorrow. That'd be great news. <laughs> yeah. If you, well, if you got like somewhere in the neighborhood of like five, six billion dollars, I could get it done tomorrow. I'll chip in 60 bucks today. <laughs> Top final offer. Hey every, <laughs> hey, every bit we can get. Every bit we can get. I'm sure if you started something, we could get a GoFundMe or something. <laughs> All right. I'm in. Let's let's do it. That's the next. That's the next step. Okay, thank you so much for coming on, Anthony. We appreciate it so much. Everyone out there, please subscribe to his podcast, Sports Fluent, host with uh, Coach Hugh Jackson. Subscribe on Twitter at sports underscore fluent. Go to his website, sportsfluent.com, and buy all the merchandise there. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, so thanks again to Anthony K for coming on the show. Please follow him at sports underscore fluent. Subscribe to his podcast. Sports Fluent, The Coach and AK with Hugh Jackson. Please subscribe to our podcasts, The Rookie Phenoms on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. And for all the new listeners we have gotten recently, we really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. We'll be back later on in the week with more content for you. We have some really great guests lined up, so look forward to that. Thank you, Evan, for listening. Have a great night.